Hi there, and welcome to the Simply Living for Him podcast. I'm Karen DePuce from Simply Living for Him. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Simply Living for Him podcast. On this podcast, I talk about all things simple, whether it's life out here on our little hobby farm, or how I keep things simple in my homeschool, or I just like to talk about Jesus, because I truly believe that the remedy for clutter and chaos in this world is Jesus. The more we desire Him, the less we desire the things of this world, and the more naturally we will be able to simplify our lives. So today we are doing part two of our podcast series from last week, which was how to begin a garden and how we have used the garden in our homeschool and in life. So the and in our homeschool and life part will be today. Last week we talked all about um, how to begin a garden, and my lovely husband Steve joined me, and he helped answer kinds of all those technical questions about starting a garden, and uh, we talked about our experience in starting a garden here on our little hobby farm, and how we talked about um, how we had um, started a garden back in our old home in suburbia. So we talked about starting a garden wherever you are, however much space you have, and the easiest way to go about that. So if you missed that episode, go check out the archives. I'll also link it in the webpage for this episode. Um, And then we wanted to talk today about how we have used the garden in our homeschool and really in our life to teach life lessons. Because I'm all about, you know, homeschooling is great, but I'm all about really fostering um, life learning, life learned lessons uh, in our everyday. So before we get started, I did want to thank our podcast sponsor, Apologia. Apologia is an amazing publisher of Christian curriculum. You can check them out at Apologia.com. They have all kinds of spring specials going on right now. So I know if you're a homeschooler and you're looking at curriculum for next year, go check out Apologia. We have constantly used them over the years for science, um, for some Bible um, curriculum. We are using currently their health and nutrition curriculum for high school, which is brand new. It has not been released yet, but it will be soon. Um, And I've been able to preview it and we love it. And also they have just an amazing amount of resources for the Christian family of encouraging things um, biblically based and sound. So go check them out at Apologia.com and thank them for sponsoring the Simply Living for Him podcast. So I wanted to talk today, like I said, part two of this two-part series. Last week was more of the technical stuff. That's why Steve was here. He's good at that stuff. Um, More of the technical Um, how to start a garden. And today is more of my heart and, you know, how we have used the garden educationally in our homeschool, but more importantly, there's so many spiritual lessons in the garden. And I'm going to link in the webpage for this podcast episode, some links that I've written over the years too, about how we have seen God in the garden and how we've used the garden. Um, So first I'll start by saying that Several years ago, when we were still in suburbia, and we had our small garden, our backyard garden, that was when we first um, were more early on in our homeschooling years, and when we first really used the garden for our homeschool, it was actually our science one year. It was our whole science curriculum for the spring was our garden, and that was an amazing um, 
amazing time to really study and learn about, you know, gardening and plants and seeds and all these things, but to learn so much more, to see the spiritual lessons. But how we set that up was when we were back in our old home, we had fairly a large garden, you know, for the amount of space that we had, and we had it all nice and fenced in, and we had raised beds, and um, the kids helped, actually, to build that garden. So number one right there, that was school. You know, we didn't have to get out any books. They they helped, you know, um, from everything from planning the garden to spacing out the boxes to how much dirt we would need for each raised bed to, you know, how much fencing we would need. And so lots of real life lessons right there with application, right? You take all your math and now we see how we apply it, you know, with perimeter and area and those kinds of things. So they helped with the planning then they helped with the building. You know, we, uh, I remember my mother-in-law came up. She's like my gardening mentor, her and her, her friend, um, her neighbor, they are avid gardeners. So everything I learned, I have learned from them. Um, but I remember that they came up the one weekend and they helped us put the whole thing together. But the kids were right there in it. And they were much younger at the time, but certainly able to help. So um, that was a way we incorporated, you know, real life learning in our homeschool. So they were um, involved in actually building the garden and setting it up. And uh, we did not start from seeds that year, but we did get plants and we started from plants. So the amazing thing about using the garden that year for our homeschool was that everything was completely immersed. You know, they were immersed in their learning because it wasn't just reading about plants in a botany book or reading about um, gardening in a science book. It was real life, hands-on, no pun intended, but get your hands in the dirt and dirty, um, real life learning. And uh, there's no better way. So we had gotten a whole bunch of plants started already, little tiny plants. Um, I don't remember exactly that year, but I'm guessing we probably had tomatoes, cucumbers, snap peas, string beans, um, what else would we have had that first year? Definitely basil. Those are like our standards, what we always have. So, you know, starting with those simple things. And each child was in charge of planting their own. We gave them, you know, a certain amount of plants that they were in charge of planting. And so right there, again, learning science, how you need to dig the hole a certain way, give it a little bit of water, pull the roots just a little bit, you know, as you're putting it down in that soil and then cover it up. Everything from the science behind where to place the garden, you know, with the sun and how it hits the, the garden, to what kind of plants to buy, to when to plant them, to observing the weather, you know, so much science goes into gardening and uh, using it for your homeschool is like the most perfect science curriculum. It's a giant unit study, you know, gardening. So... <clears throat> We had them each plant their own um, plants. And then the the real big part came in. This is how we really used our garden that year for science. Um, each child made their own garden notebook. And that was a lot of fun just to make the notebook. So 
they decorated it how they wanted it. You know, we tried to put like um, Bible verses about plants and things um, in there, all dispersed throughout to make it pretty and, um, you know, just to each kind of customize their own notebook. So they each had their own garden journal, we called it, or notebook. <clears throat> and then what we did was we would record every single day. So we would go out to the garden in the morning. <clears throat> Remember, this was our science. We didn't have any other science at all. So they would go out to the garden, and what they would do was they would write down the weather and what they were observing, you know, if it was cold, if it was rainy, and then they would write down um, each plant, and they would measure. So they were in charge of a certain number of plants, and each one would measure their plants, and they would record that in their notebook, <clears throat> and they would record... Um, the measurement and what they observed, you know, on that day. And, uh, I guess we also were watering at the time. So they would record if we had to water or not on that day. And, um, then the really cool thing was, so we did that every day. Oh, and then they drew a sketch of how their plants were looking. And, you know, you could even do this more high tech. If you have older kids take photos each day, because Honestly, I think one of the coolest things about gardening is to watch those plants grow literally overnight, like literally watching God in action. I mean, it's so amazing and so cool. You know, gardening really slows you down to observing nature. Um, and even if you're not a nature person, it slows you down and it it kind of just catches you off guard sometimes as to like, wow, look what God does. So if you weren't brought up as like a nature person and you're not into gardening and things like that, it is still such a lesson that points to God because he ultimately created these seeds that will grow. And just watching, you know, you can plant a garden and then water every day and then just come back. Or you can kind of, like I said, really take note every single day by measuring and sketching or photographing and observing what you see. And when you do that, you actually really see the transformation from this tiny little seed or this tiny little plant to this big, huge, you know, fruit-bearing plant that you can eat from. It's an amazing thing. So what I remember specifically about that year was that um, they would do this during the week, and I remember over the weekend, so we did our measurements on a Friday and uh, didn't do school Saturday and Sunday, so the, the gardening journal didn't get written in over the weekend. And I'll never forget, it went from Friday to Monday, our tomato plants grew nine inches, nine inches over the weekend. I mean, I never would imagine that they grow so fast. You know, if you're a gardener, you do see growth and you're like, wow, things are growing. But when you literally stop like every day and measure, it's crazy to see. So anyway, that was their science. They would, they learned about caring for the plants. They learned about what the plants needed. Now you can certainly bring in some outside resources like, you know, books about plants and um, vegetables and all kinds of things to enhance what you're learning in the garden. But if you want to just get out in that garden, either you're going to learn. Your kids are going to learn. Um, so anyway, they kept this gardening journal, and it was really an amazing way to learn from our garden um, and see how uh, 
how much care the plants would need um, and how they would change over the course of the season, over the growing season. And then, of course, when we got that first harvest, I mean, it was more special than ever because we had really been um, working hard and they were able to see the fruits of their labor. Another thing that gardening teaches your child in homeschool, character lessons galore, because gardening is hard work and it's commitment and it's discipline. And it's also seeing that sometimes it fails and sometimes things happen that are out of your control, maybe an early frost or a hailstorm or, you know, a drought or too much rain or whatever it is. And again, these are lessons, and then there's character lessons that are learned. You know, this hard work of getting your hands dirty, of, you know, um, taking care of your plants, and the discipline that it entails, you know, being out there every day. And um, there's just so much to be learned in the garden. One of my favorite lessons to teach the kids is, we did this before we even had our garden, we took a seed. Um, just like one of these bean seeds, right? Dried out bean seeds. And we, you know, you've seen this experiment. If you've been in the homeschooling world or any world, you've probably seen this experiment over and over, but it's one that always stood out with us. You put the seed into um, a glass jar, like a mason jar, and um, wet a paper towel, and you put it in there, and you just leave it out in the sun for a little while or in your windowsill, And so after a few days, that bean sprout or that bean starts to sprout. And so you'll see the little shoots come up and the little shoots go down, the little roots looking to root and the little shoot look coming out and going towards the sun. And so we did this one year and that bean sprouted right there in the wet paper towel in the glass jar. And it started to sprout and it got high, got to the top of the glass jar. And all of a sudden, we were so excited, like, look, this dead seed has come alive. And then, you know what happened? That sprout one day started to wilt, and it died. And the lesson there was, this is, this is what we need, right? We need the sun, S-U-N, but really S-O-N, the sun, to grow. And what does a plant do when it grows? It goes towards the sun. That's the really cool thing. Like even my little guy, Ethan, he just did an experiment recently about um, putting his same thing, a bean seed. And he did his though in a little soil and he put it in a shoe box and you make like a little maze so that the plant will just keep going towards the sun. It'll literally grow through your little maze to get to the sun. So anyway, we need that sun, right? That's what we need to grow. And we literally need the light of the world, Jesus, in order to grow. And then what happens is these little roots shoot down from the other end of the bean and they go down, down, down looking for water, that living water that we need, right? There's such a comparison that you can show your children um, how we need Jesus. And then what happens though? Since we just put the bean seed into this little wet paper towel, it had water, it had light, but it didn't have enough because the water eventually runs out, that paper towel runs dry, and there's no soil. There's nowhere for those roots to dig down and get nutrition. 
to get what they need from that soil. And you know what? I said to my kids, that's us. We need to put our roots firm into the soil, into Jesus and his word. Otherwise, what happened to that plant? It wilted and died. So we can start to grow, but if we don't have that firm nourishment that only comes from Jesus, you know, that like that little withering plant, that will be us. We need a firm place to put our roots down in Jesus. So there's such a beautiful illustration there in that experiment. And then you can go take your plant and plant it in some real nutrient-rich soil. Give it that water every day. Give it that light every day. And remember, it's the sun, S-O-N, N-S-U-N. It's the water, the living water. It's the um, soil, that firm foundation that gives us nutrition, all these things that make the plant grow. And that's a beautiful illustration of um, what Jesus does for us. So you can do that little illustration with the, with the paper towel only, and you'll see that it'll start to grow, but then it'll quickly wilt. And then you can do that beautiful illustration with just a um, seed in soil and talking about how that relates to us. So there's so many lessons to be learned in the garden. I see God in the garden all the time. You know, when I grew up, I didn't live on a farm. I didn't live in a um, rural area like I live now. I lived in, we lived, I grew up nine miles out of New York City. I don't know if many of you know that, but I grew up right out of New, uh, outside of New York City. And, um, you know, the seasons came and went. And really the only thing I thought of about fall when I was little or autumn was those crunchy brown leaves under my feet as I walked to school. But I don't really even remember taking note of the beautiful changes on the trees and and the beautiful way that God displays his creativity and the beautiful way that God shows us his orderliness and his um, consistency that the seasons change every year. And now that I live out here, I mean, I I notice so many things outside that point to our creator. I notice how the seasons change, you know, and well, maybe this year with spring, I don't know where you are, but our spring has been delayed. (laughs) But normally, right, the seasons change. um, And I firmly believe spring will come. It can't stay winter forever. Um, But normally the seasons change at a certain time of year. And with those changes come very consistent um, things that you can observe. You know, like even for us out here, the third week of June, we get Japanese beetles. And now we're going on our fourth spring here. So I'm learning as we're here, the different things that change. But it's amazing how you can see your creator in nature and things like that with pest control and Japanese beetles and observing the calendar and and observing how God ordains things teaches your children so many science lessons and homeschool, but also just life lessons. So we know third week in uh, June, we're going to get those Japanese beetles, get my chickens out there. Um, So there's just these observable things that take place. that you notice, like right now I'm staring out my office door and I can see the buds on the trees. And after the long winter that we've had, and believe me, has it been long, 
Those buds are spectacular to me right now because they're not just buds on the trees, and there's a science lesson in that. Um, They are hope. They are the hope that spring is going to burst forth. New life will come again, even through the harshest and longest winter. New life is coming. And all of these things, again, point to Jesus. And as I said last week, where else can you take something that was dead and make it come alive? What better illustration to show your kids what God does than to show them a dead seed becomes alive? life and life-giving. It then feeds us. Or the trees are dead in the winter. You know, their leaves are gone and they're bare and brown. And then comes spring and everything bursts forth again. And there's that hope and that promise in our life as well. My favorite, favorite flower is the forsythia. And, you know, you get like a two-week window at the most when the forsythias bloom, at least where I am. It's like a one-week peak, really, of when they're at their most beautiful, brilliant yellow. And we're right about there now. And it's so late. Normally, this has happened already. The forsythias usually bloom earlier than this. But right now, as I'm driving down these country roads, and there are just forsythias lining the roads, it's like, yes, God. It was a long winter, but there they are. They're blooming. They're coming. And their beautiful colors are the promise of hope. So there's so many ways to use the garden to teach your children, not just science lessons in homeschool or math lessons in homeschool, because there's tons of math and science in gardening. And you can easily throw away, not, I don't want to say throw away, put away the school books for the spring um, or even for an entire year, I'm telling you, and just concentrate on using your garden in your homeschool um, because you can do everything from, you know, how to plan the garden, what kinds of vegetables, but then I said as well, getting into the pests, you can study those things, you can study the birds. As I'm sitting here right now, I'm looking out over my garden, I see all kinds of birds out there flying around. Um, watching the buds on the trees. Um, There's just so much to learn. And then, of course, you can get into all the nutrition. Um, That could be a whole nother section of using your garden for homeschooling. Do a whole month or two on nutrition and studying, um, you know, about good eating habits and organic versus non-organic. And, oh, my goodness, you could go on and on forever, right? There's just so much to learn. And then you can even add into it studying chickens. So, of course, I'll have to get my chickens in there somehow. But quite honestly, my kids have learned so much from having a garden and from having chickens and ducks, even though we don't have ducks at the moment because we lost them to predators this winter, which I told you about, I think, previously on an episode. So sad. Um, But we also had guinea hens at one time. So there were so many lessons we have learned. And all of those things um, go with our garden as well, because we actually use our chickens to help us get the pests out of the garden um, and things like that. And also, if you do have chickens and you have a garden, you need to know that once you start getting your fruits and vegetables and things in your garden, get the chickens out of there because they'll eat it all up. (laughs) But they are good to get the soil ready. 
We let our chickens out there the beginning of the planting season, and they'll turn over that soil faster than anything. And they will eat all the grubs and get all the pests out. And then when we had our guinea hens, they were able to go in the garden. They would not actually eat our um, vegetables. They would just eat the pests. So that was really helpful. And truth be known, I want guineas again. I'm trying to convince Steve. I think he's going to say yes. I don't think it's going to take much convincing, but I want guineas again. I want to get 10 guineas, baby guineas, and we'll see. But anyway, guineas are great for your garden. Um, But having the chickens has taught my children for our homeschool. They had, we took out every chicken book in the library. When we first moved here and we found out we were getting chickens, I was the one that went to the library and took out every chicken book. I felt like, because, you know, we live in an area where it's kind of all farms and we were kind of new to the rural living. And I felt like everyone was probably like, here come those city people. They're taking out all the library books on chickens. (laughs) Nobody else around here needed those books, but we did. So, um... Anyway, we we learned a lot about chickens, but I found the most uh, way to learn about chickens was having chickens <laughs> because I remember reading so much information about them before I had them, but you don't really get it until you have them. You know what I mean? Like you you can read about them, but it just doesn't really, it's more of a learn as you go thing. It doesn't really make as much sense until you actually have them. So anyway, we, we knew nothing about chickens. We didn't know anything about gardening way back when. We've just learned that since we've been married over the years, but uh, we didn't know anything about chickens either. And now I think I know more than I ever cared to know <laughs> about chickens, but um, we learned about building the coop and the proper coop. And that was another school project. My husband and my kids, they built the coop from scratch. So they had to make all the plans, the measurements, go to Lowe's and get the supplies um, and build the actual chicken coop. And truth be known, we have a chicken mansion because I think they went a little ambitious and they built a really large coop. But that's okay. We could have way more chickens than we we uh, have room for because we have a giant coop, but um, they built it, and that was an amazing way to use the outdoors and gardening and chickens and things like that in our homeschool. And again, the spiritual lessons that it teaches. It teaches character traits of, I mean, you're taking care of living things now, right? These animals, and you have to protect them and feed them and take care of them so they don't get sick and, um, you know, watch out for predators. There's a lot that you have to um learn about, even though I would say that the chickens are pretty low maintenance to have now that we have them, there is a lot, you know, a great learning curve in the beginning, which is a great thing for homeschoolers, Um, great hands-on stuff. And again, pointing to their creator in everything and seeing how these chickens, um, how God created them to for a purpose, you know, for what they do. And you know, it's funny to see these chickens and their instinct sometimes um, and how, you know, we don't have roosters, so they don't get to be mama hens like they want to be. They lay their eggs and sometimes then they go broody, it's called, where they'll sit on them because I always feel bad for them. I'm like, oh, they just want to be a mama. They're sitting on their eggs, you know, but unfortunately those eggs will not become chicks because we don't have a rooster. But it's an amazing lesson just to teach the children to say, you know, look, they're doing what God made them to do and no one teaches them. Like we didn't go out there and say, all right, chicken's time to lay your egg, right? They just 
survive and do the things they do by instinct. So there's so many cool things um, that you can use uh, a garden or farming or whatever to teach your children in your homeschool and in life. Having a garden has been about so much more than just um, growing food, you know, for ourselves. And like Steve was saying last week, if you're doing it to save money, that's not what we're doing it because we've put so much into the chickens and the garden. Um, But it's really about for us, you know, and once it's established, yes, you can save tons of money. But um, for us, we never set out like we're doing this just to save money. And like I said, certainly you can. And there's another homeschool lesson right there. I mean, doing the economics of the whole thing would be a great way to teach your children. Um, But we really set out to get closer to our creator, get back to nature, get back to the basics. Like this is how our grandparents did things, you know, and we want our children to be connected to their food and not just, you know, run to the grocery store every time you need something. And I would love to be more self-sustainable out here. And, uh, you know, especially as now we're getting into planting season to really, really be good stewards of the food that we grow and use what we have. Oh yeah, that's total aside. But this week, I declared one of those weeks in our house with like groceries and said, we're, this is a use what we have week. I am not going to the grocery store just because we ran out of one thing and we need it. So my poor kids last night was a smorgasbord dinner. I said, because it was like a little of this and a little of that, whatever I have in the fridge. I'm just trying to, you know, teach them to use what we have. So anyway, the garden, you know, for us was really a way, like I said, Steve loves to be outdoors. There's no better place for him. The man just thrives being outdoors. And he loves to be working and working with his hands and doing stuff. So he built a great big greenhouse last year. Again, another homeschool project. That was no easy feat. He's like Superman. I don't know how he built this enormous um, greenhouse, but then there's more lessons there, even with the greenhouse. Um, So... We wanted to teach our children hard work and, you know, not just run to the grocery store all the time for food, but we can grow our own, teaching them life lessons, spiritual lessons, math lessons, science lessons. And then the icing on the cake for us is we are trying to develop our garden into a ministry. And what better homeschool lesson? Because really, a homeschool lesson is great, but what better life lesson than to really live out the gospel? and live out loving others. So what we do here, we have titled our, titled, named (laughs) our farm Love's Farm. And that's because Steve and I have always called each other love since, I don't know, when we first met, really, since we fell in love, I guess. But we've always called each other love. I rarely ever call him Steve to his face, and he never calls me Karen. We just call each other love. And, um, So we named it Love's Farm because we truly, number one, because we call each other love, but number two, because we wanted this to be a place that we could share God's love. So we have a garden that is way bigger than what we would need for our family, but the purpose of that garden is to um, share what we grow with our community. So the past two years, we've really been trying to to be um, aware of how much we are growing. And, you know, we've already been giving away our chicken eggs. We don't sell them. We give them away to families at church, families that we know. But this summer, my plan for this summer, so the past two summers, what we've done is we've grown way more than we need in food. We have a Facebook page for Love's Farm and a website, and we are trying to let people know, you know, that we have extra 
And if there's anyone in need, please let us know. And then last two summers, we've put out a little farm stand, but it's been a makeshift farm stand. It's really like a folding table with a tablecloth. And uh, and my kids sitting out there, or even if we can't sit out there, we've just put signs up, you know, free, take what you need. And so we will put our vegetables out there. So my plan for this year is as a homeschool project is to have the older boys, well, really all the boys are going to do it, um, even my little guy, build a more permanent farm stand structure. And it doesn't need to be anything great and fancy. I just want something that we can put at the top of our driveway where we can say, you know, take what you need. And I just want people to know like, oh, there's the place that has the free food. So I want to put a little cooler out there of eggs every day and whatever, you know, we're harvesting at the time I'd like to put out there. And then to really, you know, let people know that because people last year would stop and say, well, how much do I owe you? And we'd say, no, it's free. And they'd be like, what do you mean it's free? You know, you can be selling this stuff. And we'd be like, no, Um, we really truly believe that everything we have is from God and we have enough. So we want to share. And we believe that he's given us this property not to hoard for ourselves, but to share with others and to use as a ministry. And we feel that when we share our food, we can be sharing a little bit of God's love because we know how much he has blessed us and we want to share those blessings in return. And um, it just gives us an opportunity to share our faith with others. So we put little printouts about, you know, um, the reason we share our food, and then we um, leave that out there for the people as well. So I'm really hoping that Love's Farm can thrive as the ministry that we want. You know, sometimes like last year, it it got hard. We didn't have... Um, as good of a harvest as the other years for some reason. Um, But that's how it goes with gardening, right? Some years are great, and then you learn other years what's working and what's not. Um, So I really hope that God will use us in some way out here in our little tiny town. I would just love for people to be like, when they drive by, oh, that's the place that gives out food because they love Jesus and they want to share that with others. So that's how we're using the garden in our homeschool and in life. Um, you know, just from any, anything from science to math, to character traits, to working hard, to diligence, to pointing to our creator in everything. And then to share that with others, because ultimately my homeschool, my family, my purpose in life is to point to Jesus and to build his kingdom. And that's been on my heart so much lately. You know, it's not just about um, doing the right things all the time. It's about building his kingdom. It's, it's about not building our own little kingdom for ourselves about what we do. It's about him. Everything is about him. And we want to expand his kingdom. We want to love people so much that we don't want anyone to be without the truth of Jesus and the love of Jesus. So that's really been on my heart is to really become more missional about what we are doing here. And, um, you know, that the Lord would provide us a good harvest. He would provide us an um, abundance of time and energy because you do need it for the garden so that we can achieve his purposes and ultimately just share his love with others. So whether you have a little backyard potted garden, you know, like Steve was talking last week about doing a garden just in pots to start out with, maybe you just have a deck. Maybe you don't have a big yard and you have some pots on your deck. Still plenty of places to grow. You can have one single pot with one single plant, and you can still use that to teach your children so much about 
science and um, gardening, but most of all about God. So I hope that would encourage you and give you some ideas about how to use your garden in your homeschool and in life. If you have any questions about this topic or about last week, you know, kind of how-to, um, more practical tips about gardening, please email us. You can email me at Karen at simplylivingforhim.com or Steve at Steve at farmhouse, H-A-U-S, studios.com. Anytime, we'd be happy to answer your questions. Um, also, I wanted to let you guys know that our Simply Living for Him retreat, it's a women's retreat, is coming up in July. Time is running out to register. We are getting down to the end now. So if you are planning on coming, please, please, please register today at simplylivingforhim.com slash retreats. I would love to see you there. Um, and again, don't forget to visit our uh, podcast sponsor, Apologia at Apologia.com. And until the next time, I wish you blessings and joy.